Pushkin. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Good. Now, from high to low, just say, woo, 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 That's me with John Legend, singer, songwriter, actor, record producer, and film producer, too. And rolling your head to keep your neck relaxed. Rolling your shoulders. Moving your arms. This is Backstage Pass with me, Eric Vitro, and I have to say, I really love my job. I'm a vocal coach to some pretty famous singers, and on this show, I'll talk to them about their lives, their craft, and what it takes to make it really big. So we met backstage in the green room of one of Ariana Grande's concerts here in LA. And I love meeting people who I think are talented and accomplished. So of course, I was really excited to meet you. I was calmer than I would have been only because it all happened so fast. I didn't have time to go, oh my God, I'm meeting John Legend. (laughs) And um, the amazing Aaron Rosenberg, our lawyer, mutual friend introduced us. Yes. And you were so easy to talk to, so I was thrilled when you actually called for lessons. Well, I was so impressed with Ariana's show, and uh, I had been thinking about, as I was finishing my Bigger Love album and thinking about touring and what we were going to do for the next album, I hadn't been coached uh, vocally for quite a while, 
And I thought it was time to uh, brush up on my skills and and uh, get better at preserving my voice, placing things correctly in my voice, and and just thinking about longevity for it. Right. Well, you just answered my question because I was going to say a lot of people would say, why in the world would he go to a coach at this stage of the game? Well, I had very little coaching in my life, to be clear. So I grew up singing in church and everything was kind of self-taught in so many ways and you just went out there and did it. And I thought I was really good at singing, but I wasn't singing in a way that was healthy and it wasn't uh, built for the long haul uh, the way I was singing back then. And so uh, I did take some lessons in New York early on in my career because I was getting beat up. I was trying to do everything to get seen and heard and, and my voice just could not handle it. So I started getting some coaching in New York, but it was kind of in an emergency situation like, oh, I need to do this right now because I'm beating up my voice right now. Mm. And every other time I had done coaching since then had still been in kind of like, oh, things are going badly or I need some emergency help. And so for the first time with you, I wanted to do it ahead of time before the tour so that I could start doing better practices and have more longevity and just be more healthy on tour. Yeah, I think if people have not ever done any voice lessons, they don't realize the value in the warming up process. Absolutely. You just learn so much. And I I was just not breathing correctly. I was not projecting correctly. And it sounded fine, but it wasn't healthy in a way that would be sustainable. Right. Well, now it's going to be. Yes. (laughs) John's world famous for his songs, All of Me, Love Me Now, Ordinary People, and many more. Do you sit down at the piano when you're writing a song? Does it always begin at the piano? Not every song. All of Me began at the piano, but Ordinary People, another piano ballad, did not begin at the piano. It started uh, with Will I Am playing me a, a beat that he had made, and the beat had an instrumental with the same chord progression as Ordinary People ended up having, and so I started singing to the chord progression. So either way, I'm usually singing to a chord progression, whether I'm playing it myself on the piano or I'm playing with a guitarist, maybe, sitting down with a guitarist. Uh, I don't play guitar, but I work with songwriters who do. And so sometimes they'll start strumming some chords that'll inspire me to sing a melody. I'm usually more the top line guy, as we call it in our business. Mm -hmm. So the top line is the vocal melody and the lyric. So with ordinary people, I start mumbling. So I start scatting melodies, and those melodies contain in them rhythms, and they contain kind of a cadence for what the lyric might sound like, but they don't make any sense. And so eventually I go from that mumble track to a lyric once I figure out what story I want to tell, how I want to approach the story. That melody and your voice go so perfectly together. Maybe it's just because I know it so well, but... Really, it's so beautiful and it's so perfect. So has there ever been a piano riff that you came up with that ended up then going into a song? Because, you know, I like this riff. I'm going to turn it into a song. So with all of me, it's interesting because we started out with the pattern being like this on the intro. (laughs) 
But we ended up deciding that it would sound better starting clean and a little straighter and less busy. And we ended up going with... What would I do without your smart mouth? And it felt better. And then it felt like it drove the song in the right way. And then we finally went to the arpeggio for the chorus. Cause all of me loves all of you. Love your curves and all your edges. You know? Yeah. When that opens up into that car, it's mm-hmm. just amazing. So that's with a friend of mine, Toby Gad. You Toby, wrote that. yes. And partly sitting beca- in his uh, studio, house studio, and uh, sitting on the piano and trying to figure it out. And it's funny, my manager said, you should write a song to Chrissy that's kind of like uh, She's Always a Woman, the uh, classic Billy Joel. Uh, Billy Joel song. And this was my take on that prompt. <laughs> yeah, amazing. How cool that that one suggestion to write a song about your wife created such an iconic song. Now, I know partly because Toby's told me that song has a lot of distinctions and awards, right? Oh, I mean, it's one of the biggest songs in the history of music. Tell us the the statistics because they're Uh, astonishing. I I think there's only a a few songs in the world that have gone 13 times platinum, (sighs) and it's one of them. And uh, that's huge. And of course, the biggest song in my career, but it would be the biggest song for anybody's career yeah, pretty exactly. much. Exactly. And it was my first number one. Oh, was on it? On the Hot 100, yeah. I didn't know that. First and only so far. Well, we've still got plenty time. of time. Yes. But it's such a beautiful, beautiful song. Thank you. And let's not forget, John has a ton of awards already. I mean, he's an EGOT, which means he has an Emmy, an Oscar, a Tony, and 12 Grammys. But no big surprise. I mean, he has incredible talent, an amazing work ethic, and he's always juggling a million things. I know more than anybody else how busy you are. Every single time we do a lesson, you are on your way to something. Yeah, I stay pretty busy. I stay booked. (laughs) Yeah, like constantly. So obviously, your piano skills have been a huge part of your career, right? It goes with your singing and your songwriting. Sure. So tell me a little bit about your training. Well, my training, I started very young. We had a piano in our home, and then I was at church all the time. My grandmother was the church organist. My mother was the choir director. My father played the drums for the choir and sang with the choir. And then my grandfather was the pastor. So I would be at church all the time. We were there for Sunday morning service, Sunday evening service, Bible study, choir rehearsal, prayer meeting, revival service, whenever there was something at the church, our family was running the service and doing something. And so I just grew up around a bunch of people who made music all the time. And most of it was gospel music. But also I started taking piano lessons. I learned the basics of music theory. And in parallel, I was learning gospel music from my grandmother. And in the Pentecostal church, you do still use the hymnal and read some but a lot of it is by ear and you could be playing in any key and someone could randomly start a song and so you'd have to have some improvisational skills and ability to just pick up what's going on. 
hear it and start playing along. And so I really learned how to do that in the church. And my grandmother was my main mentor and teacher for that. Wow. Well, you know, that explains a lot about why you are so comfortable and so good and to be able to change the keys. Yeah, I'm better at some keys than others. But yeah, we had to be flexible and dynamic and the services could take many directions. And so we had to be able to roll with it. And so I developed a lot of my musical skills in that space. Do you remember any of the first hymns that you played all those years ago? Oh, sure. Well, of course, the classic... Beautiful. That was beautiful. That was great. And it had its own John Legend in there. (laughs) The church in there had a little bit of everything. And that makes sense, because like John said, he was raised with gospel music and his grandmother. One time she wasn't going to be able to be at service, and the woman that was her backup wasn't going to be able to be there. And she taught me a couple songs that I had to learn for that specific service for the choir. And that was the first time I ever was just thrust out there in front of the whole church and asked to play when it really mattered. And uh, that was pretty cool. Were you nervous? Yes. But you did a good job? I I did okay. (laughs) Did did you get a lot of praise? Yes. And I was young, so I think they would have been happy with whatever I did. I was like eight. (laughs) Well, because, you know, it's my observation that people who have done really well, successful in their Mm -hmm. life, seem to always have a moment or an incident in their life where they're praised when they're pretty young. Oh, yeah. And that sort of becomes the engine for their whole life. I think that's a big part of why you start to develop a love for performing because you get all this affirmation. Mm -hmm. And when people tell you they love it and they cheer for you and they support you and they make you feel like you did something great, it makes you, you know, want more of that. I definitely think that's a big part of why uh, I enjoy performing. It isn't just for the art of creating the song. It's for that feeling of joy I get when I bring other people joy and they give it back to me. Right. So would you say that church moment was probably more inspiring to you than even the piano recital? Like, Yeah, it's more fuel. And when you did it at church, it felt like you were doing it for people whose judgment you trusted and you wanted to impress them. And so whenever I would get affirmation in that setting, it felt special. Music is so important to our services that when you do it right and you feel like you did it right and the audience affirms that, it feels like you you won. You won a battle there. Wow. I've never heard anybody say it like that. So if the church was clearly your biggest influence when you were young, who were your influences as you got older? Well, Stevie Wonder. I mean, it's almost too obvious, but (laughs) growing up, he was such an iconic R&B singer-songwriter who had written such beautiful songs of every type, you know, whether it was, you know, classic ballads or 
beautiful up-tempo songs like you know superstition or just the full range one of the great solo artists of all time and in my estimation possibly the greatest prince is right up there and there's a few others but mm -hmm. uh there's very few solo artists that have had the longevity and the awesomeness that stevie's had over his career and as a singer songwriter of you know the same genre and and with right. a lot of the same uh influences he's been such a big influence to me i also was very influenced by nat king cole i oh you love have that, that phrasing that great i love phrasing. that crooning that phrasing that mm -hmm. style that he brought to the songs that he performed and i've been listening to him since i was a teenager and you know even when that wasn't really in vogue for someone my uh -huh. age to like him i was more of an old soul and i loved that style and you can hear that influence in John's songs. This is Nat King Cole singing. Unforgettable That's what you are And you hear some of his phrasing in the way I will phrase certain totally. things. Especially with this one, the Christmas song. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire but even in pop music and R&B music that I make mainly for a living, I'll still incorporate some of that phrasing into uh, genres that you wouldn't associate it with right. as much. Uh, so he was an influence. Marvin Gaye is a big influence for me, both as a vocalist, as a creative, and trying to find ways to speak to the moment that we all live in. He's just iconic to me as a, as a soul singer. A good example is Marvin Gaye's What's Going On. And then you can hear the inspiration with John's song Glory. One day, when the war is won, we will be sure. I like him as a singer better than I like Stevie. I think Stevie had a, a more robust and prolific career over a longer period of time, of course. But uh, as a vocalist, I like Marvin a, a little more. And then another vocalist I love is Nina Simone. Oh. I love her tone, her expressiveness, her creativity. As a pianist, she's just like stunning. I mean, just listen to the piano in Nina Simone's I Put a Spell on You. I put a spell on you. Cause you're mine. And your daughter is named... Yes, and my daughter's named Luna Simone. Yeah. And I named her with Nina in mind. And then Aretha Franklin is a big influence to me. My grandmother actually, her playing style reminded me of Aretha's playing style. They both grew up in the Midwest. My grandmother was from both Michigan and Ohio. Uh -huh. She grew up uh, as a daughter of a preacher, a pastor, just like Aretha did. Right. And stylistically, they had a lot in common. So you will hear some of the flourishes that I would do that are reminiscent of my grandmother but also similar to some things that Aretha would do on the piano because of that similar background. Can you give an example of what one might uh, I be? Mean, I mean, even the way I played Amazing Grace, in some ways, right. that was like right. reminiscent of that, but it just kind of a, that kind of thing. It's mm -hmm. kind of like a little honky-tonk, a little gospel, mm -hmm. but it's got kind of that 
old school flavor to it. Listen to Aretha sing her version of Amazing Grace. Amazing And I still carry a lot of that with me in the way that I play the piano. What about, because we've talked about um, falsetto, that the difference between Marvin Gaye's falsetto and Curtis Mayfield's. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I found that really interesting. You listened so closely that one has a little more vibrato. Yes, like Curtis's is a little thinner and more vibrato, so... Darkness of light with the moon shining bright. You know, it's like, it's a little softer and um, a little more gentle. Like when Curtis Mayfield sings Superfly. Darkest of night with the moon shining bright. And then I think Marvin could wail a little more with his falsetto. It's rounder. You know, that kind of vibe. You can hear it when Marvin Gaye sings, Gotta Give It Up. And then some of the other great falsetto singers, I think Prince is obviously one of them. And his is a little like uh, more funky. He would do a little more cry in his voice and, and like a little more like shriek and it's a little more like dangerous sounding. I just want your extra time and your ew. I think Marvin Gaye kind of, that was one of the first singers I think where I used that expression telling you that yawn sensation. Mm-hmm. And Nina it's Simone rounder, too. Yes. Yeah. You know, Nina Simone had that as well. And Smokey was more like Curtis, I mm-hmm. think. Smokey Robinson, uh, more kind of whispery, a reedy sound. Right. Uh, a little thinner, kind of a gentle vibrato. Baby, let's cruise away from So those are some of the icons, I think, of singing in falsetto. And I got to say, as obvious as it is, it needs to be said, with that falsetto, John is on that list too. When we come back, he and I will talk about our voice lessons together and his work on the voice as a vocal coach. All right here on Backstage Pass with Eric Vitro. Hello, hello. Malcolm Gladwell here from Revisionist History my podcast about the overlooked and the misunderstood. A couple of years ago, I wrote a book called Outliers. It was about exceptional people, the ones who operate at the outer edges of human performance. Outliers fascinate me. And last year, I discovered an outlier in the form of a community organization, Washington State's City of Bellevue. The city wanted to improve public safety by making their roads safer. So they created something that no one had ever built before, platform that gave road users warnings of any dangers ahead in real time. How did they build it? By using a combination of technologies, the cellular vehicle to everything network, T-Mobile's 5G network, and 5G connected cameras. People driving, bicycling, walking, running, can't forget people running, 
and people operating the transportation network now had a way to prevent crashes. It's been a huge success. The city of Bellevue earned first place in the community category at the T-Mobile for Business Unconventional Awards, an event that celebrates T-Mobile customers who've dared to innovate for the sake of meaningful change. If you're a T-Mobile for Business customer and your team has, like the city of Bellevue, innovated something really, really cool, I encourage you to enter. It's also a great way for outliers to be recognized in front of your industry's most influential leaders. You can enter at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. That's tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. As listeners to this show, you probably consider yourself pretty smart. But how smart is your wallet? When you're looking to upgrade your wallet, it's time to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds has the financial smarts to help you find the right financial products for you. Before NerdWallet, you might have paid for vacations with whatever was in your wallet. But you could have been missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. Now you can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. And now, more of my conversation with John Legend here on Backstage Pass with Eric Vitro. So let me ask you this. Since we've been working together, have there been any surprises? Are, are there things that maybe you didn't expect to learn during our voice lessons? Well, I was doing things a little bit wrong the whole time, you know, going into our learning. And I, it, I won't blame it on past teachers because I think I just forgot a lot of what they taught me. But um, I feel like I'm singing with better technique than I ever did. I've spent more time and energy and doing during downtime. I think it's important because when I was doing it like in the middle of a tour when I'm already stressed and tired, like that wasn't the right time to do it. The fact that I've been doing it during times when I haven't been stressed and the pressure hasn't been high, I think it made me really focus on it more and learn more from it and be able to work it into my performances better. For people listening, do you have any rituals before the shows? I mean, obviously now the warm-up, the vocal warm-up. Of is course. There anything else? I drink a lot of water and tea and try to steam up or humidify or whatever we can do. 
And then uh, I like to have a little food right before my show, too. I don't know if that's advised by the Eric Vitro school of... <laughs> uh, but I like to have, like, hot food because it makes me feel, like, less dry. Uh-huh. I would say just as long as you're not overeating to your stuff. Do you yes. don't want to be stuffed because then you can be tired. Or- I like to eat, like, a little roasted chicken, like, a little something with a little... Uh, Perfect. A little, a little grease, but not too much. And right. like, it just kind of warms me up. Yeah, no, that's perfect. Roasted chicken, roasted vegetables. Yes, I do that. Yeah, things like that, I think, are really helpful. It helps me feel a little warmer. And also, not to get too uh, graphic, but when you have a little food in your stomach, you don't have to keep running to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, no, I mean, that is a huge key for people Because you're drinking all this water, and if, if you don't have any food to absorb it, it's like, oh, I got to go. Yep, exactly. <laughs> every, every 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, and I know people say, oh my God, it ruined my show because that's all I thought about. Yeah. You know, do you think, is there anything you would say, I, the word sacrifice is too strong, but you know, sacrifice things that you've done to take care of your voice or your hands. Well, you know? part of it's not talking a lot during mm. the tour, and it's frustrating to everybody around you, <laughs> <laughs> your significant other, your kids. I just talk way less and uh, try to preserve the health of my voice. I don't drink when I'm on tour, alcohol. I try to manage my acid reflux, all those things that could get in the way uh, of you putting on a great performance. So, you know, I'm, I'm much more strict with myself. Yeah. I would say that this tour, you probably can talk a little bit more than maybe you have in the past, as long as you keep the placement up front, right. like we've talked about, mm-hmm. and even warm up your speaking voice in the morning if you have to do an interview. Right. So you're ready. You start supporting your speaking voice, just like you're supporting your singing voice. Right. So if you do those things during the day when you do talk, what will happen is you'll start feeling like you're actually warming up your singing but voice. Eric. What if I don't want to talk? Well, then, <laughs> let me rephrase that. You know what, John? If I were you, if your wife is listening, you should not be talking at all. Uh, no, I'm Silence. kidding. I'm Silence. Kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I love working with John in our voice lessons, but I also love watching him on the singing competition show, The Voice, where he's a vocal coach himself. Have our lessons influenced you in any way? Yeah, absolutely. I can hear what people are doing wrong and try to give them better advice to help them do better. And frankly, I'm around some of your students as well, including Ariana Grande. And my guest mentor on this season is Camila Cabello, who's another student of yours. And I hear your advice through them, too. You're influential, my friend. (laughs) Oh, John, thank you for saying that. Wow, that means so much to me. I, I really appreciate that coming from you. But let me ask you something. Did you ever want to be on a show like The Voice when you were young? When I was seven, eight, I would watch Star Search. From Hollywood, the entertainment capital of the world, it's the 1986 competition of Star Search. I would watch uh, the Grammys and see artists on television doing what I wanted to do. And I envisioned it for myself. I even submitted a Star Search audition tape when I was uh, like 14, 15. I really wanted to be discovered in any way that I could figure out and how to. And they didn't to. take you? And they didn't take me. Oh, well, I bet they're suffering now. <laughs> <laughs> I won the local like competition. It was at our new mall. They thought one of their promotions could be to have like a local star search. I won the local competition. It got me $500 worth of a gift certificate to the mall. And so I bought like back to school clothes there. <laughs> and the uh, tape from that performance was submitted 
to the national uh, television show. And uh, I didn't make it. Oh, well, it's worked out just fine. <laughs> I'm doing just fine. But, you know, I know what fine. it's like to be that young artist, like waiting for that break. And you want to find it wherever you can get it. And talent shows may not be the best path for everyone, but it's a path. And uh, I love working with artists that come my way on The Voice. That's why you're so empathetic to them then. Absolutely. And I, I think most of the coaches are. We all know what it's like right. to have this kind of dream and we know how fortunate we feel yeah to be able to do what we love to do for a living and do it on such a big stage and and also be able to use what we've learned to help somebody else what's the most rewarding part of the coaching experience for you it's inspiring working with these young artists one seeing their excitement two thinking about their career as not them you know Mm -hmm. it helps me kind of stand back and look at my own career because we have to pick songs for them. So it's an A&R function to an extent. A&R stands for Artists in Repertoire. It's the division of a record label that does talent scouting and signs artists. And once an artist is signed, an A&R rep will guide the artist's career, helping to pick which songs would be best to make it onto their albums. And we think about what's going to be the most effective vehicle for their voice. And so... When I think about the songs that are pitched to me, you know, because I write a lot of my songs, most of my songs, or co-write them, but sometimes I take songs that are outside songs. Sometimes I'll take them and rewrite them, but still, they originated somewhere else. And so I think I have a better A&R ear Ah. than I had before because I'm in the business of helping these artists pick the best songs for them to perform in these high-pressure moments. Right. Wow. I was going to ask you what you had learned from these kids, but that's partly right there, too. That's that's a big one. And then if you think about what makes artists go from good voices, good singers, to compelling artists, you also see what works and what doesn't work, Mm. you know? Yeah. Because there are plenty of people that can sing, but how do you stand out? How do you make yourself interesting and make yourself connect with people, both as a writer, as a creative, but also as someone who knows how to touch the zeitgeist and and figure out what people want to hear and how they want to hear it and how to get that to them. Do you have a piece of advice that some other artist, when you were just coming up, gave you that was great advice? Quincy Jones said, steal from the best, which means that there's nothing new under the sun. We've heard all these other songs There's only so many notes on the piano. There's 12 Mm -hmm. (laughs) semitones (laughs) and only so many chord patterns. And so when you're creating something, you do want it to sound fresh and new, but you're always going to be relying on things that already existed. And there's going to be things that are familiar about them. And it's okay to have influences that when you begin your career, copy, you know, you're going to learn from these people learn from their music, and then hopefully develop something new that's a unique combination of all those experiences and influences that you have. Right, right. Well, uh, Quincy Jones, I would, I would take anything he had to say. Absolutely. Uh, I love Quincy Jones. If you had just one piece of advice to give these kids, what would that be? I think the biggest thing is to know who you are and who you want to be to the world and why what you're offering is urgent to the world. Because being a good singer is not urgent. You need to have something else that you're offering to the world that's urgent. I think you could hear it in both John's words and his voice. He's articulate and smart and talented, but he's also really humble and really grounded. 
And that's what makes him such a pleasure to be around and to work with. And I think what he said about needing to know who you are and who you want to be in the world is great advice. That's something that we all have to work on, especially an artist. His advice was perfect. Know who you are and who you want to be. Don't go anywhere. Backstage Pass will be right back with the vocal tip of the week and even more from John Legend. Stay tuned. Hello, hello. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisions History. In my book, David and Goliath, I tried to figure out how some people find the strength to take on the established way of thinking and turn it upside down. What does it take to be a disruptor? And I concluded that a disruptor is someone with a rare combination of three traits. First, you have to be open. You have to be willing to see and do things in new ways. Secondly, you have to be conscientious, to follow through and make things happen. Those two are obvious, but the third one is the crucial one. You have to be willing to do what you think is right, even when everyone around you thinks you're an idiot. There isn't a brilliant innovator in history who wasn't surrounded by naysayers. Most of us can't take that kind of criticism, and we fold. But the disruptor doesn't. They soldier on. I've been looking at disruptors and their success stories a lot lately, partly because I'm working on a follow-up to The Tipping Point, and market disruption plays a key role in how ideas take off, but also because I'm going to be the keynote speaker at this year's unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business. It's an event where customers are recognized for kicking convention to the curb to elevate their company, while also doing meaningful things for their community and even the world. In fact, I'll be presenting the first ever Tipping Point designation, a new special distinction honoring one entrant that sparked transformative change for their organization. If this event sounds like your thing, I encourage you to find out more or even enter the unconventional awards to be recognized for your disruptive thinking. Win a donation to a charity of your choice and much more. You can enter before July 31st at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards that's tmobile.com slash unconventional awards i'll save you a seat as listeners to this show you probably consider yourself pretty smart but how smart is your wallet when you're looking to upgrade your wallet it's time to turn to nerd wallet their expert team of nerds has the financial smarts to help you find the right financial products for you before NerdWallet, you might have paid for vacations with whatever was in your wallet. But you could have been missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. Now you can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Musora is your access to online music lessons for guitar, piano, drums, and singing. This is your chance to reignite some old musical passions or pick up an instrument for the first time. Connect with more than 100 of the world's best teachers and musicians. You'll get seven days totally free to try it out. And then it's just $30 a month, less than a single private lesson. I mean, why do we do Broken Record? 
not just because we love hearing from great musicians. We do it because we think that there is something beautiful about the appreciation of music. Don't you think we need more of that in our lives these days? That's the mission of Musora, to inspire, educate, and connect musicians. Enjoy unlimited personal support, weekly live streams, student lesson plans. It's like having a personal music teacher, only much, much better. Just go to musora.com, M-U-S-O-R-A.com, to start a new musical journey today. And now, it's time for this week's vocal tip. I think that almost all vocal exercises can be beneficial as long as they're done correctly. The same exercise can help your voice or hurt your voice, depending on the way you sing it. The number one thing to remember is that all vocal exercises should always feel comfortable. I can't stress that enough. They should never feel tight or strained or constricted in your throat. You heard me and John Legend warming up with this melody. It's a great melody to create a nice flow, but the real magic comes in when you start moving your body in ways to free it from any tension. Try rolling your shoulders all the way around when practicing to keep them relaxed. Or moving your arms around freely. There is no right or wrong way of doing it. Just keep them loose. Try wiggling your entire body around as you sing. Also, try lifting your arms in the air and then dropping them as you sing your highest note on an exercise or on a song. Do this with a sigh. Ah. Whoa, 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 right there. Drop your arms on the high note. Whoa, 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 whoa. Like you're sighing, like you're just letting go. That will help you develop a muscle memory of letting go when you sing the high notes. Try all of these moves when singing your favorite vocal exercises. Now, you also heard John and I warming up his falsetto. He obviously has mastered that part of his range and uses it all the time in his music. I always have my students practice singing in that voice during every session. Even if you don't use it now, I just know there's going to be a time when the only way you can get that special or unique sound or vibe is singing in your falsetto voice. If that range is difficult for you, try doing some short slides up and down in that range. For example, for me, it would be here. Try it on he or who, ho, ha, or hey, and see which vowel feels the easiest and start with that one. I'm using the H before each vowel to get the air flowing forward. Little by little, start stretching higher and then lower each time. Do this every single day. Once you're comfortable doing the slides, it's time for you to start doing some falsetto exercises on actual notes. This is a really simple pattern you could do. It's just three notes up and down. Start in the easiest part of your range and then go up by half steps. For example, Then when you feel you've gone as high as you can without straining, start going back down in half steps.
Go as low as you can comfortably and then stop. Little by little, you're going to stretch a little higher and a little bit lower and really increase that range. If you want to share your falsetto, I'd love to hear you. Or if you come up with some of your own moves to loosen up your body, you can share them too. Use the hashtag BackstagePassPod on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, or wherever you like to post. I can't wait to see what you come up with. Backstage Pass with Eric Vitro is written and hosted by me, Eric Vitro, and produced by Morgan Jaffe. Catherine Girardot is our showrunner. Emily Rostek is our associate producer. Mixed and mastered by Ben Tolliday. Additional engineering help from Jacob Gorski. Mia LaBelle is our executive producer. Our development team, Lital Malad and Justine Lang, helped create the show. Thanks also to Jacob Weisberg, Heather Fain, John Schnars, Carly Migliori, Christina Sullivan, Eric Sandler, Maggie Taylor, Nicole Morano, Daniela Lacan, and Royston Bazur. Original theme music by Jacob and Sita Steele for Premier Music Group. We record at Resonate Studios. Fred Tallickson does our videography, and the photography is by Ken Sawyer. Special thanks to Michael Lewis for his inspiration, his friendship, and the best guidance anyone could ask for. Backstage Pass with Eric Vitro as a production of Pushkin Industries. If you like the show, please remember to share, rate, and review. I mean that, really. If you love this show and others from Pushkin Industries, consider subscribing to Pushkin Plus. Pushkin Plus is a podcast subscription that offers bonus content and uninterrupted listening for $4.99 a month. Look for Pushkin Plus on Apple Podcast subscriptions. To find more Pushkin Podcasts, listen to the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And now, for your listening pleasure, the one, the only, Mr. John Legend. Did I get a cocktail? <laughs> that was so relaxing. <laughs> the tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, you'll be publicly honored among some of the most influential leaders in industry. And me, I'll be there too. Enter now at T-Mobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com, that's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. 
For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.